Welcome to the Software People Stories. I'm Shiv. I'm Chitra. And I'm Gaiti. We bring you interesting untold stories of people associated with the creation or consumption of software-based solutions. You'll hear stories of what worked and sometimes what didn't. You will also hear very personal experiences and insights that would trigger your thoughts and inspire you to do even greater things. Welcome to this episode of the Software People Stories. My guest today, Tom Hendrickson, is well known for the Agile Online Summit that he has been hosting for over the last five years. Today, we get to understand his origin story and how curiosity drives him to do all the things that he does. And in particular, some more details about how the Agile Online Summit came to be and what innovations we expect this year and in the future. He also shares his career advice for entry-level and mid-career professionals in IT. Listen on. Welcome to the Software People Stories, Tom. Thanks for having me, Shiv. I enjoy uh, your stuff and I'm looking forward to being here. Yeah, I guess it's a mutual admiration society. I also like your Agile Online Summit. We'll talk about that. And uh, that has been a really interesting and useful resource. But we'll start with your origin story. Now, how did you get into IT and what have you been doing as a career trajectory? Yeah, well, how I got into IT is kind of an interesting path. So Shiv, when I first got out of college, I actually was in sales. So, you you know, that's probably hard to believe someone in IT, but (laughs) I got into sales and I did that for about a year and a half. And I realized I wasn't, (laughs) wasn't fitting really well in sales. Uh, but luckily for me, a friend um, from high school had shared with me the opportunity in tech. So I actually kind of shifted, made a career shift and got into technology and, and started doing uh, a lot of programming and things like that. And then uh, as I kind of went through my career path, I got into this thing called uh, Agile. I remember the first time I heard of it, I had a, a boss at the time was like, oh, we're, we're going to switch to start doing some Agile stuff. I'm like, what's that? So needless to say, I've always been a curious person. So I started learning a lot about it and and of course, making lots of mistakes. So, but that's kind of, I guess, how we learn, right, Shiv? Absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Learn and adapt. So one thing I was curious about was when I was looking at your profile, you've Mm -hmm. played roles of both an individual contributor Mm -hmm. or as a technical Mm -hmm. specialist and also being a manager. Yep. Yep. Uh, Yeah. So how yeah. have those transitions been for somebody who got into tech and probably expected to do some tech stuff? Yeah. Yeah. It's been really interesting, uh, Shiv, to, to kind of make those transitions back and forth throughout my career to be to, into to leadership um, and being like, for instance, like I kind of started out as a developer and then I became like a technical lead or senior developer. Um, and then I was a, a, actually, I was a manager of software development, but I was still a developer and I was also a scrum master, which, you know, if you read anything online, it's like, oh, don't do something like this, which, you know, it was, it was really challenging. I was, I was, you know, juggling many hats there. I was trying to develop, be a developer on one thing um, and be the scrum master. But then also too, I was supposed to manage, there was a, I forget, there was a couple other projects. I was supposed to be the manager of those people as well. Um, So it was, (laughs) I was just like, treading water, you know, just to kind of keep my head above water. It was a a pretty intense thing, but, but it was a a big challenge. What I learned, I guess, Shiv going through that, and this is something 
as a technology person early in my career, I tried to focus on, oh, if I just learn this technology, I'm going to help my career. And then as I kind of went through my career path and kind of stumbled on some things, I learned how important those human skills are, you know, those interaction, the communication, the influence, um, and, and how, especially when I became a leader, I, I really learned a lot about those. And, but even now, I, uh, being like, as an individual contributor, I see how important those are to just working with the team or especially in an agile team, how important those, those human skills are and being able to relate to whether you're talking to somebody who's in QA or the scrum master, or if you're, maybe you're talking to an executive, you know, you need to kind of think about it from their lens. So I think those are some important aspects that I've learned. Yeah, that's interesting. I have a question on that. Before that, mm -hmm. there is this general perception that uh, techies hate processes. Right? Yeah. And yeah. agile, for whatever uh, misunderstanding that people have, they mm -hmm. think that it is, again, a process, it is micromanagement, and it is uh, slave driving and all kinds of things <laughs> you know, people to talk about. So what is your yeah. perception? Uh, what yeah. is your experience yeah. Well, I guess I can see how there's a lot of misconceptions about it just because, uh, you know, I've worked at a few different companies and I see and and, you know, doing something like the, the Agile Online Summit, I talk to a lot of people too, a lot of Agile coaches. And there's a lot of, uh, you know, things out there where people kind of misapply things or, you know, uh, I saw something the other day, somebody was talking about, um, they had a, a team that had their, you know, their 15 minute stand up but they had a 30 minute meeting before that. So to make the standup go smoothly, you know, so it's like they're adding things to it that really aren't there, but you know, it's, um, but I think a lot of it, you know, a lot of the misconceptions come from just the, the transitions, you know, Shiv, as you probably see with organizations as a transition to agile, it's, it's not easy, you know, it's hard. And I think a lot of times we carry some of our, our baggage. If we're, for instance, like for an old project manager, um, we might carry that baggage to being a scrum master and we might fall back on those command and control. Like, okay, I'm going to tell this team what to do. They're not going to. So it's, it's, I think that's where a lot of the misconceptions and a lot of these ideas come from. The other question was uh, when you mentioned that uh, you also learned how to talk to the leaders. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. how do you develop that empathy as a techie? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's tough. Shiv. Uh, I, it's funny, I actually do a talk called Humans Are Hard, Code is Easy a lot. And I talk about in that talk, one of the big things that was a light bulb moment for me. So I want to go back when I was a kid, somebody, in, you know, said, Tom, you got to read this book by Dale Carnegie, How to Win Friends and Influence People. Now, I'll be honest, as a kid, I was like, that's stupid. I don't want to read that. But as I, I, I actually read it, but then um, I came back to it when I became a kind of a tech person. I, I remember talking to an executive. I was like, oh yeah, we got a, I think I went to a conference or something. I learned about a new technology and like, oh yeah, we got to, got to use this new technology. It's going to be great. And they're just kind of looking at me like, what, who cares? Yeah. But, but the next time, and I talk about this in the speech, I, what I learned is I needed to, and coming back to Dale Carnegie's book is talking their terms. So once I learned what the executive was looking for, you know, they wanted to know how does this, you know, value add to the business business? because they need to know, oh, it's going to make us more money, not, oh, here's Tom, he's going to spend a bunch of money on our some technology that we probably yeah. don't need. So once I started to learn how to talk in their terms, that's when things shifted for me. And I started, like light bulb went off, it's like, oh, yeah, that's right. I did read that before, but it didn't sink in. So kind of those things, uh, Shiv, where you, you, know, you might make a few mistakes and then realize, oh, okay, they want to see it from a different perspective. They're not a, a programmer, or they're not a techie. They don't care about 
you know, whether you're using some new whiz bank technology. So you need to think about what they want. So how does that change when, um, as a techie, mm -hmm. uh, I'm just making probably some assumption here that mm -hmm. you might have developed technology or pieces of code that others use. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So when you yeah. other users are techies, mm -hmm. then how do you relate to them? And then how do you kind of solve their problems or anticipate their problems? Yeah. Yeah. I think one of the things that's been a good uh, understanding for me is to kind of have developed that user empathy to understand what, who is the user? So if the user is technically savvy, you know, you're probably going to develop a different solution than if the person is not. A while back, I got to work with a product owner named Nakia and she, she had this. So we were working on a team that developed something for customer service reps. Mm -hmm. And it was really, you know, it didn't make any sense to, to myself and the rest of the team until she had to spend a day with those customer service reps. So we got to go to, they were in a different, actually a whole different town than what we were in. So we spent a day with them and we got to kind of see that how they, they did their work and they used our product and we're like, oh, it doesn't, you know, it, it doesn't do what they need it to mm -hmm. do. Mm -hmm. And then when we saw that, that was like that empathy of understanding like, oh, okay, that's what they want. So I think that's the thing. If you have a tech user, a, a techie, as you, you use that term, uh, Shiv, I think, you know, we kind of need to understand what is the, what is the user? Um, for instance, like, uh, I don't know if you get this, but my mom sometimes calls me. I don't know if you get other relatives calling you to say, hey, how do I use this technology? Um, <laughs> so depending on who you're talking to, you kind of have to think. So my mom used to be an educator, so she's not as technically savvy, um, where some other people, you know, obviously people, other programmers and stuff I work with, you know, I talk to them. I got to use different terminology. Um, you know, it's, it's important to kind of think about having that, you know, idea of what terms will they understand, putting it in their terms. And, and then two, maybe also two, being patient with people. Sometimes we, we techies can be a little, uh, maybe a little cross with people because we're like, oh, why don't you get it? Get it's it. so easy. Right. Well, you know, not everybody has the same experience as we do. So we have to be, you know, be patient with them too. It's interesting uh, when um, at least your friends or family circles call you, they think that you're, you know, everything tech, probably you've not yes. even seen that. Yes. How does this yes. device work or how do I connect maybe something to something else and all that? Oh, yeah. Yep. So with so much of changing technology and so many pieces that are moving, mm -hmm. how do you, you know, keep track of what's happening and how do you put them together? Or pick the ones that are relevant when you're, mm -hmm. say, designing solutions. Yeah. Yeah. I think a big thing is just, you know, kind of having that experimental mindset of being able to, to try out some things and see um, what works, what doesn't work. Um, you know, and it's funny, and this is a long time ago when I first got into this agile space, there's a guy by the name of Brandon Carlson that I used to, to work a little bit with back in, I used to live in the Midwest. So in Iowa, which is a state in kind of the center part of the United States. And he reminded me, so he, he said, Tom, when I start with a team, I, I get them to kind of get their ideas out on paper and pen. Because what we, what we were talking about essentially is like, you know, a lot of companies will say, oh, we're going to give team X, we're going to give them Jira. So now they're agile. Well, no, <laughs> just because you have Jira doesn't mean you're agile. So he, he had said this, and I think this is important. When we think about how we work, sometimes, for instance, like if we give a team Jira, we're going to, they're, the team will just adapt to the way things work in Jira. Or if yeah. you have another technology, for instance, like I'm a, I've done a lot of Java development in my career. You know, Java development is a lot different than some of the serverless programming and some of the new technologies that we have um, React. So I think when we have a paradigm, 
we kind of fit our thoughts into that paradigm. But he, he reminded me like he liked to do have the team create, you know, cards, obviously, it's a little diff- difficult now during our pandemic, but there's ways to do this to make to kind of minimize that technology first to understand how do we want to work? Because if we, if we just simply adopt something, you know, we're going to work the way it wants us to work. And that might be suboptimal for that team. And I think that's important. As we think about how teams and, and how we work, you know, we need to not be a slave to the technology, but let, you know, let our decisions and let our, you know, process evolve and, and kind of, like I said, to be, be experimental, look for things that might work um, and, and be open to trying new things. I think we can get stuck in our, our career paths and our, and our ideas, you know, all of us can. So it's, it's good to look for new things. Yeah. So are there any stories where you had to change your mind about something? Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, the first time, I guess I'll say the first place I, I think I mentioned earlier on, like when I first got exposed to Agile and, and Scrum, I remember we tried, we basically tried to do some things and we thought, oh, okay, we're going to do it kind of basically at my level. So I was a manager of a team and then I had a, a, a manager, he was a director. So we thought we could apply basically Agile from my manager down. Mm-hmm. And one of the things we learned really quickly is how important it is to kind of manage up and let the, the, the executives and the other people in the organization know what are we doing and what is the value add? Um, and mm-hmm. that's where like my manager and, and had to kind of manage up and the rest of us too as well to kind of share, share w- w- what are we doing? Because for, for the executives and stuff, they, they, they're like, what, what are these standups? Why, why, are you, why do you have these boards on the wall? What, what, are, you know, what is all this stuff you're talking about? Until we kind of put it in their language, kind of like I talked about before, we had to um, understand that you know, if you're going to make a change, you know, it has to be shared widely. And so people know what you're doing. And that's, that's one of the big things we, we all learned during that process. And then it was funny, we actually made that shift. We had some, uh, some people come in, some agile coaches kind of do some little extra training. And one of the things they did is they, they did some executive training as well. And that really kind of helped us shift and, and get kind of everything moving in the right direction. So I think that was one of a, a big learning that I had in my career path. Are there things that uh, have worked for you but then when somebody else tried to do that or when you tried to recommend that to somebody else that probably didn't. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's, that's one thing. Um, for instance, like I've tried like the first time I, I got some training and I was trained by a group and they uh, shared, you know, kind of like I went through some scrum training and became a scrum master. And initially I got some things to work using kind of the basics um, that I'd learned in the training. And then I remember I was trying to help another team, uh, kind of get up to speed. Cause basically what we did is we trained, we had like, I don't know, say five teams. And I think I uh, had, was the scrum master one team and there was another person. And then we tried to help some of these other teams and we did shift to, to your point, mm-hmm. we tried to, to rinse and repeat. Oh, we'll just do the same okay. things, but, but we didn't realize, okay, first thing, you know, that the, the projects were different, how they were developed were different. And it was one of those things where we learned pretty quickly. Uh, yeah, the context matters as, you know, a lot of agile coaches and consultants will say, well, it depends. And it did depend. And we needed to kind of step back and think, okay, maybe there's parts of this is going to work. Um, we can try. Um, but then two, even I think two kind of uh, an important aspect of setting expectations to say, not that this will work, but here's a few things, you know, maybe we can try this. Um, and then two, um, remembering to kind of ask the team because a lot of times the people who work on a project, they know how, how it can best function. So 
obviously, you know, it's good to ask them first and, and get their input as well. You mentioned this command and control earlier, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And usually the analogy that we use is the army. Yeah. But then I, when I try to understand the army a little more, yes, mm -hmm. there is command and control at the, probably the outer level or at a high level planning strategy and all that. Yes. But when mm -hmm. you're out there on combat, mm -hmm. uh, it's probably very agile. Every person out there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So is there anything that you have uh, tried to look at in terms of uh, getting inspired by those kind of activities to see how we can kind of merge a command and control probably coming from the top or probably that's what they expect, but mm -hmm. still keep the teams agile? Yeah, I think one of the things with that, I think, Shiv, is, is really kind of understanding what they're looking for. I, as I've talked to different people, there's a guy, Jesse Fuel, that I've talked to a few times and gotten to know. He, he talks about stop selling agile, start aligning. Um, so I think that's one of the things too, is we talk to executives and they want, they want to be command and control, but hmm. you know, maybe have a conversation and understand what, what, are you, what, what is your pain point? What are you looking for? Is it that you know, the, you're looking for consistent delivery or if you can kind of understand what's driving them? You can kind of help them share some of the, you know, kind of align with what they're doing. And, and then two, kind of, as I was talking about before, kind of manage up. So for instance, like if you're, you want your team to be agile, um, but maybe two, they, they might be looking for certain, you know, maybe there's certain metrics or things that pain points for them um, that you can kind of help make sure that they know and are aware of. Um, so you manage up and that they understand we are still meeting the objectives that they have. But maybe we're going about it slightly different, but that's okay. Um, I think that's the thing that, you know, just having a conversation to um, is, is helpful, getting to know them, what they're, what, what they're looking for. Because, you know, at the end of the day, there's, there could be something keeping them up at night. And if you don't understand that, you know, you're not going to deliver what they need. Interesting. You mentioned metrics and passing in between. <laughs> yes. So how yes. do you balance the a desire for metrics and everything measurable, mm -hmm. everything probably predictable to mm -hmm. something that is more experimental, experiential, you do learn, change, mm -hmm. adapt, mm -hmm. all that, both for you, your teams, as well as say the management. Yeah. Yeah. I think kind of like what we talked about before, I think it's, it's helpful to understand what the management needs. And then to make sure that they're aligned with the business. Sometimes I've seen this where, for instance, like the business might have different metrics than the IT management might have. Um, I think that's that's something like, for instance, there might be, for instance, the IT management might want us to collect certain data points that in the end of the day, the business doesn't care about. So that's where I think it's, it's good to have a, a wider conversation with maybe the IT management and the business to say, okay, let's make sure we're collecting the right information. But then two, um, there's, there can be a bit of education along with that as, you know, like us in the agile space and the scrum space, for instance, if we're using that need to make sure that we're, we're sharing with them, uh, these metrics and how to, how to properly use them. So they're not, you know, for instance, like, you know, you've probably seen the thing where like story point inflation, where, oh, you mm -hmm. want us to deliver this amount. Okay. Well, I'll just make, you know, all three, three point stories, five point, and five then we'll point. just meet that. Um, so you kind of, you know, there's, there's ways, there's games that be, can, can be played. And, and I think to that, that really, you know, you have to just share that and get on the same level with those executives. To, so they understand that we can get misguided priorities and, and kind of make the, be it the scrum master, the agile coach, whoever, 
uh, might try to, if they have a, you know, a certain metric, but to just kind of educate them and how to use them properly. Yeah, it's good you said education for which I guess uh, a collective knowledge base is very good, key. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think through your Agile Online Summit, you are getting a lot of knowledge in. Yeah. So yeah. one curiosity, the first curiosity question I would say mm-hmm. is with a day job, mm-hmm. what pushed you to you know, do the Agile Online and DevOps Online long yeah. before the pandemic when people started looking at online ways of running conferences. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think the big thing for me, Shiv, was that at the point when I first started doing this, I wasn't able uh, to go to a lot of the big conferences. And I was just like, oh, there's really some interesting people speaking at, you know, whatever the conference may be. And, and I was like, well, what if I interview those people and just share that with others? Would people be interested? Because at the end of the day, Shiv, the thing that drives me to do a lot of this is just the curiosity. Because I want to understand mm-hmm. how does how does that work? Or, you know, for instance, like I talked about how we went through an agile transformation really twice at the first company that I used it and um, how, you know, some of those things that kind of like, oh, I learned a lot, but I bet other people know more, you know, so it's, it's always curious to see, okay, how would you, how would you handle this? So for instance, Shiv, I might ask you a question and say, oh, I have this team. Um, they're really struggling. I have a couple people that just don't want to, you know, embrace some of these practices, what, what would you do? You know, and I would ask you, and, and that's something too, even you might bring up something that I haven't thought of or, or something that you could share or somebody else might share. And then somebody will think, oh, maybe, maybe we can try that because like we were talking about before, you know, a lot of these things that we're doing are experiments. We're just trying different things and it might work in company A, but company B, you know, <laughs> yeah. So, so that's kind of how it, you know, it got started and why I started doing a lot of this. So, how are you able to get diverse set of perspectives and put them all together? Yeah, that is a good question, Shiv. So, I have to, uh, I have to share. So, I've been doing the Agile Online Summit. This is going to be the fifth year, um, but I think it was two years ago. So, I've worked with a guy by the name of Vasco Duarte. So, he does the Scrum Master mm-hmm. Toolbox podcast, yeah. and he he had a great idea. He said, Tom, I think you should have track chairs and let them do some of the interviewing. And I think that's one of the things that's really helped broaden the different perspectives. Because, you know, if I interview you, Schiff, I I only have my lens of experience. Mm -hmm. But if I get, you know, three, four or five other people to do interviews, you know, I'm get their questions are going to be different than the one maybe I ask or even you ask. Um, So they might, you know, bring something to the table that you're like, Oh yeah, I hadn't considered that. That's a that's a unique perspective. Um, so I think that's one of the things. So so Vasco had that idea a couple of years ago, and I think that's really helped broaden um, the event and to bring a lot of uh, different people involved. You probably know the Agile India Conference. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I've been yep. on the program committee, and that's kind of the model that has worked for us as well. Uh, yeah, that also yeah. gets a lot of community involvement, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, different people bring in different perspectives so that the people who propose the sessions also get that feedback. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's so important. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So Mm -hmm. why this online format? Yep. And most of your sessions are recorded sessions, right? Yeah. Yeah. A lot of them are recorded. We do some live as well. So we're kind of doing some experiments this year. We actually, um, we actually have work are working with a company uh, that kind of helps design events and they, the guy that runs it, he has a um, kind of a business partner who is a professor in gamification. So we're okay. actually working on something okay. this year where we're going to have 
Um, they're going to put together some kind of things that help gamify what we're doing. Um, we're putting together, for instance, like we have a participant guide. So we're going to have things where people can kind of take notes um, and then share that in, um, in Slack. But yeah, we're going to have some live things too. We're going to try to, what we're going to try to do this year, we're going to try to have a live kickoff and then a live wrap up too. So we can go throughout okay. the day. Um, there'll be some pre-recorded stuff in there, some live stuff. Um, but that way too, so we can kind of wrap up to share, you know, what did you learn today? What, what did you take away from, you know, for instance, like if we have a talk, like for instance, um, John Kern is going to talk and he's a co-author of the Agile Manifesto. So he's one of the is it 17 people that were there mm -hmm. in Utah, Utah back well, 20 years ago, more than 20 years ago now, but um, I, we got to interview him and, and just take away from his perspective. Um, so, you know, there's, it's good to, to think about, okay, what, what did you, did you take away from that? I mean, then too, there's, there's a, we, we're going to have themes for each day. So a lot of people in the agile space are familiar with the, the concept of Shu Ha Ri. Mm -hmm. So you have the three kind of principles and we have a three day event. So we're going to try to follow that for each day. Okay. So for instance, like the first day is going to be more fundamentals. Mm -hmm. And then the second day, we're going to be kind of some basics, kind of mastering some of those basics. And then um, kind of two, having a uh, more of a team focus on that second day. And then the third day, re is going to be more of a community or a wider organizational focus, but then two, looking at some of those other things beyond the, those basics to, to kind of maybe some things that might be experimental because we, a lot of us in the agile space like to try new yeah. things. So we'll be able to kind of showcase uh, maybe somebody's tried something or, 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 you know, it's working on it, experimenting with something. So do you see any themes emerging over the years or shift in terms of the priorities? Yeah, I think it's interesting that as you, and like I said, I've, you know, been doing this for five years and been in the agile space for, I suppose probably over 10 years, but um, just kind of seeing how there seems to be kind of shifts and waves of what we focus on. I think some of the times, for instance, like some of the, like the scaling frameworks, I know there was, seemed like mm -hmm. a lot of people were focusing on that a few years ago, but it's, it's interesting. So there's uh, Isaac Garcia is one of our track chairs and he does, um, he's actually part of something called coaching agile journeys. So he puts some stuff out there, but he reminded me, and I think this is so good that he said, you know, Tom, we have to be conscious that there's always new people coming into our agile space. You know, we, you know, you and I Shiv might think, oh, we've got this mastered. We know all this yeah. stuff, but, but those people that are coming in new, they need to learn, but also too, they might be bringing a different perspective that, of something that we haven't thought of. So I think that's important to, uh, and I think that's part of why we did like this Shuha Ri concept is we got to make sure that we're always cognizant that there's, you know, those beginners and that we have to honor that journey because we're all on a journey, but we need to kind of give back. And then to think about, you know, the questions, because I'm sure for you and, and myself, I'm not sure if I would remember all the questions I would have had early on. And that's, you know, something that, right. you know, we can kind of reflect and think, okay, you know, how far have we come? Um, what have we learned? And I think that's the thing where, you know, we need to be cognizant of that. And two, as we go through this pandemic where a lot of work is shifting, you know, maybe there's some things we need to, we all need to be, uh, be able to adapt to. Do you have any plans for curating all the content either over the years or across sessions and so on to help someone navigate and get to the right pieces later, not during the conference? Yeah, we, we do have, that's one, a couple of things I've been working on because I know, you know, after five years, we have quite a bit of content. 
And so that's what I've been trying to start working on some things to put together that as we kind of, of course, my focus now is, is the, the event, um, but two, we'll, we'll have some, we're going to be working on some things to kind of help curate that. And then to look for ways to, you know, give that to people in different formats. And uh, for instance, like a few years ago, we, we tried, for instance, like somebody, I worked with somebody and we kind of created an audio book version of okay. the Agile Online Summit. So we took all that. That was a kind of an experiment we tried. We did that for a couple of years. Um, but, you know, there's, there's other things that I'm considering now. I've worked, like I said, I'm working with this group to help gamify the event. I think we might have some other things where we'll look for different ways to, you know, share this content in different ways so people can, can like you said, because you probably don't want to surf through all the videos. You might want to pinpoint on a certain topic. So that's one of the things, too, that we can, you know, look for ways to give that so people can search for it. Yeah, because that is one problem that I'm also trying to grapple with, which is yeah. audio being a serial content. Mm-hmm. You can directly jump to something or pick pieces from, let's say, different uh, speakers or different contributors about the same topic or different perspectives, mm-hmm. trying to collate that. Yeah. Trying to do that. We're trying to see how best we can do that. Mm-hmm. So maybe a, mm-hmm. a combination of maybe text and audio or uh, audio video. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, because I know and, there's, uh, I've worked with a few different events where we'll, they'll, we'll take like an event, like say like yours, your event or my event, and they'll, they'll create like maybe a, a ebook or something mm-hmm. with some of the top five takeaways from on a different topic or something like that. So yeah, that's, those are lots of good ideas. And yeah, I like your gamification idea. So once you have a lot of content, even to, I could just imagine like a bookworm, probably if somebody has to go through, maybe give mm-hmm. them a path or make that a game. So yeah, that they yep. discover things which are out there already. Yeah, that's mm-hmm, interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, because we want to, with the gamification, I think what we're trying to do is to, to, you know, like what we saw before with our event is, for instance, like if somebody's interested on a certain topic, they might just watch that specific track or maybe a couple tracks. What we're trying to do is to, you know, have ways to share some of the other content to get people interested in, oh, uh, for instance, like, you know, maybe you, you might pick up a book that you wouldn't normally read. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, okay, let's get people to engage in this and, and see there might, you know, there may be something to learn. For our listeners, can you share the dates and uh, when they can register and yep. what, yeah, time so zones, date- what time zones is this? Yeah. 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 So, so the event is October 25th through the 27th. Um, so it is the, is you, we'll get the schedule released here soon. Um, but the, the, the times will be in Eastern standard time U S. Um, but like I said, and, and you had mentioned too, there's, so there's live portions and there's pre-recorded portions. So we try to make it so it's consumable for people all over the globe, because, you know, it's not just people here in the, so like I'm in North America or in Europe, you know, we have people all over, we have speakers from all over too. We have one of our, for instance, one of our track chairs, uh, Sarika is from India. Um, and we have lots of speakers from, you know, all over the world too. So, um, or even like, for instance, we have Evan Laybourne from the business agility Institute. He's Australia, also a track chair yeah. and he's in Australia. Yeah. So, so we have a, a global audience. So we, we try to be cognizant of that fact. So that's, that's why too, we'll, we're going to try to have some live things around the day to kind of help kick things off and get people to, to watch that content and kind of have somewhat of a community invent part of that. Coming back to Tom as a person. Yeah. How do you find time to do all this? 
Yeah, that's a good question. You know, it's funny, Shiv. I, I, I ask that question to a lot of other people too. Uh, I'm trying to think I, as I interview people who are, are really busy, like for instance, some of the, the people who are speaking at our conference or some of our track chairs, um, they are amazing people that get a lot done and I'm always uh, amazed. So I guess I, I find a lot of people inspire me to do a lot of things like um, do some of these side projects and, and be involved. I guess one of the big things I, I want to do is, is to share a lot with the community because I do the Agile Online Summit, but I'm, I'm also involved in a, just in a local community meetup here. So I live near Princeton, New Jersey, okay. um, and there's a, a Princeton Agility Group that I'm part of. So I'm an organizer uh, as part of that. So those, that's the thing I, I enjoy, you know, just kind of being curious. And so I'm always, always wanting to learn. And that's kind of why I started doing some of these things. So, you know, I like to, you know, as I do my work at work, I like to think, okay, what can I do? How could we make this better? That's, I guess that's probably a question that's always going through my mind. You know, uh, I'm doing something, how could we make it better? What's, what's a, an improvement? So I think, and that's, you know, that's part of the agile mindset of thinking about how we can improve things. Yeah, that's nice. I usually like to end my conversations with a question related to career advice. Mm-hmm. for two segments of people. Now, one, those who are considering a career in IT now, mm-hmm. on one hand, about the future, what we can do, etc. Is AI going to take away all these jobs or what is it that we need to have? Mm-hmm. And the second is uh, typically the mid-career professionals mm-hmm. who probably go through these questions of, should I stay technical? Should I become a manager? Or should I quit mm-hmm. IT? Getting into that burnout kind of situation. Yeah. Uh, so what would be your advice or suggestions for that? Sure, sure. I think for the the people early in their career, I guess one of the things I would say is, is just to try lots of different things. For instance, like I originally started at a company and, you know, I have the gray hair to prove it, but around the, when the year 2000 uh, was coming around, so late 90s. And I remember learning about, you know, oh, the year 2000 is going to happen, you know, computers are going to shut down. We started working on a lot of things and I was exposed to a lot of different technologies. And, you know, as going through my career, I think it's, it's been important to kind of try different things. For instance, like trying things like, you know, agile and scrum when that was, that was a new thing, you know, many years ago. Now it's, it's kind of old. Obviously the, the agile manifesto is over 20 years old now. So, um, but I think it's good for people in their early careers to try things because, um, I was listening to a, a guy and he, he doesn't talk about for technology, but he talks about how people can find their passion. And one of the things he talks about, you know, your passion is developed by doing something. It's by taking action. You know, a lot of times we think about, oh, we want, we think we can just ponder and figure out what our, our passions are. Is it going to be IT? <laughs> you know, what is it going to be? But I think it's important that we need to develop those things and we need to work at it. So I think, you know, to explore for those new people to explore and take action, try some new things for the person in the mid-level I think it, it's it's good to kind of um, come back to what I talked about before that passion. What what makes you you know for instance like if you got into IT um, for something um, for instance like I'm a, as a developer by training I've been a developer for a long time. I think about you know what what are some of the things that I enjoy about the work I do. So for instance, uh, as I mentioned probably multiple times during this interview, I'm a very curious person. So I look for you know some things that um, for me. Um, that are kind of a novel approach to what I'm trying to do or something. So to think about what are some new things you can look at to bring that kind of refire, reignite why you want it to be. Because I think, I guess at the end of the day, if somebody's in their mid-level career and they've never felt that about technology, maybe they, for instance, got into it because they're like, oh, the pay's good. 
you know, that's one of the things where they might want to consider looking, looking at alternatives or two, I guess this is a thing too, I see in technology. When you look at technology, there's a lot of um, related careers that aren't as technical. Um, for instance, like if you wanted to shift into, you know, like, like being a scrum master, you don't need to be as technical and that's, that's okay. That's still part, an important part of the organization. Um, and, and I see that, you know, for instance, like a, being a product owner or something, you need to understand you can, it's good to know how to speak techie because I'll be honest, I'm a developer by training. And sometimes we can, we kind of speak weird, you know, we talk a little different than normal people. <laughs> uh, so, but I think that's the thing too, maybe thinking about a subtle shift or to um, looking for ways to, uh, you know, maybe for instance, it might be just changing companies because I think sometimes the way, you know, you work in one organization might be completely different. Um, for some people, they like to be, for instance, they like to have the same same lane, stay in their lane. Where, you know, I, I've experienced where I've worked at some smaller companies where, you know, you might wear many hats and that's okay if that's what you like. So finding a place that fits you best, especially if you're in that mid-career, maybe you're not um, as happy with your technology career. Thanks, Tom. It's been wonderful. We've uh, pretty much come to the end of this episode. And uh, I'm sure there are a lot of topics that I have noted down of common interest. I'll reach out to you and maybe we can have another conversation later. So thanks a lot once again for uh, taking the time. And we will share the details of the summit in the show notes so that uh, listeners who are once can join and learn from the summit. Thank you so much, Shiv. I appreciate the opportunity to talk with you. It's been a lot of fun. We thank Siddharth for the music and Anita for promoting the software people stories. If you like this episode, please subscribe on your favorite podcast client and spread the word in your network. If you'd like to share your story, contact us at podcasts at pm-powerconsulting.com.